All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. To primitive screwheads talk horror movies and Andrew, yes, Shoganam, Shoganam, dude, you're watching Stranger Things, right? Yes, but I'm only how, on the first two episodes. How excited season. were you to see Day of the Dead as a reference in the very first episode? You know, like I wasn't super excited. I think actually the first thing I said when uh, it appeared was, "I don't know if I like that one very much." What Day of the Dead? <laughs> yeah, I think I think when Lindsay and I were watching it, I was like, "I don't really know if I like that one." Day of the Dead? Okay. Yeah, okay, not... we're, we're going to break this down. Uh, favorite Romero movie, then? You know, like... Out of the Dead series. Does, does it have to be Romero directed, or does it have to be Romero inspired? M- Romero directed. God damn. So we're talking Night, we're talking Dawn, we're talking Day, we're talking... Um, Wait, did he, direct Night, did he direct Night 90? Hmm? Or did he write Night 90? Mmm. I actually don't know about that one. Let, Let me see. Quick. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I feel like, was well, he affiliate, affiliated somehow? Well, I mean, it was a remake, obviously. Uh, nope, he didn't. Damn. No, he didn't. But that one is, because um, I know the very first one, the copyright expired, so like anyone can... Well, no, they didn't. the copyright didn't expire. There was some sort of disp- uh, dispute with the who actually owned the original Night of the Living Dead. So now it's completely copyright-free. You can go, go you can upload the whole film to YouTube, and no one's going to... Uh, give you crap for it at all yeah that's why there's like eight different um, re- like actually like 90 different releases every year of it people keep trying to sell yeah, different versions yeah, definitely but i mean it's a great movie so that's that i never yeah, honestly i never saw diary of the dead or survival of the dead oh and i've seen all of them i don't know from what from... i hear i didn't miss too much land of the dead i kind of enjoyed actually i did enjoy land of the dead that was like, actually the first one i saw i think the first one i saw was actually day of the dead and i think i was just like underwhelmed uh-huh like i think it's good i don't like i don't know I, okay, well, I don't know if I would actually love any of them super a lot. I kind of think Night 90 is my favorite iteration. But. Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll have to talk about that later then. Yeah. So, everyone who is listening, uh, I am Dan. And I'm Andrew. And this is Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. This is a horror movie podcast where we kind of sit down and shoot the shit about recent horror movies or any horror movies we've decided to watch and we just kind of sit down dismember the plot talk about the cultural impact and do all that good stuff and part of it too is going on random tangents about horror movies which i'm going to jump right back into so i don't know day of the dead was like one of those where the first time i saw it I didn't enjoy it as much as Dawn or Night of the Living Dead, but as I got back to it and like as I appreciated the slower pace a lot more, um, it ended up being one of my favorites. I'm not sure if I like it better than Dawn of the Dead, but I do think it's up there. I, I definitely appreciate it. I just don't like love it. Like I feel like it's one of the few ones where the characters, to me, after the, aside from the first one, where the characters are predefined, mm-hmm. like Bub or whatever. Like I feel like that was like an interesting kind of variation kind of an exploration of the zombies and kind of the idea of like you know them coming back in a way like of intelligence developing i feel like it was kind of it was a good stepping stone into land of the dead mm-hmm. um yeah the only complaints i will have about day of the dead is i feel the ha- the ending is way too happy like it's completely 100 percent good guys get what they want no catches whatsoever um and i felt that's very out of place for a romero film 
Yeah. I wonder if that, I wonder if he intended just that to be the last one, you know? I wonder if he intended it to be like and thus like yeah. he wanted to be kind of more happy. Yeah, and it's a weird series, you know, no one's really 100% sure. He obviously didn't have a game plan for the whole way through, but here it is. It's actually kind of funny, the very first time I saw Night of the Living Dead, um, I was on vacation with my younger brother, and we were in the hotel room together, just kind of killing time, I guess. I can't remember when everyone else was up to, probably going outside and being social and everything. Um, But there was a show and i can't remember what it's called it's not swenguli because swenguli is awesome but it was a like a swenguli where basically it was this guy who was trying to be this mystery science theater 3000-esque thing where he took old expired copyright movies and interjected his own skits into the movies riffed them um all sorts of things but the guy was painfully unfunny and I do remember that because I remember I sat down with my brother and I was just like, "This is awful." I wait. You're talking about Joe Bob? So no, not Joe Bob. No, it wasn't Joe Bob. It was some like local station. I think it was a trip to Minnesota or something like that. So oh, okay. Um, hopefully, it's that. Chicago has someone named Swen Gooley, and he's just like that. But he's actually pretty funny in a corny sort of way. Wait, wait. But so I, this is just the thing where like where they watch movies and talk about it. No, no, it's supposed to be a comedy show. So basically they play the movie, Mm -hmm. and it's always a copyright-expired movie because they don't have to pay anything for that. It's extremely cheap budget, and every so often they'll, like, interject their own skits. Like, I remember with Night of the Living Dead, at the very beginning when Barbara's heading towards the cemetery, um, they just intersplice this three-second scene of a sign that says, Zombie Crossing, and that's that. Oh, Okay. Or there are parts where, you know, a zombie's hand falls off and then the character pops up in the screen black and white trying to interject himself into the movie and is like, oh, I really got to hand it to that zombie. Ha, 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 ha. And I remember that pissed me off the most because he would always laugh at his jokes. And the jokes were often, or the laugh was often longer than the jokes. It was the most ridiculous, and I hated it. But Now I, now I want to watch it. I saw the movie. And the movie was good. And I really liked the movie. And then I went back and I saw it again on some YouTube thing. I think it was Google Video at the time. And yeah. And Did you watch any, any of those like shitty like uh, like sci-fi? Like there's the Day of the Dead Bloodlines, Day of the Dead, the remake that kind of came out after the Night of the Dead remake. That everyone was, or not the Night of the Dead remake, the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. And it was just really bad. I think it had like... Who did it have in it? It had like Nick Cannon in it, I think. The Day of the Dead Ooh, remake. Nick Cannon. I can get into that. I can absolutely get into that. Like, All sure. right, so that's our little Romero segment right there. Do you want to jump right into our movie for today? Oh, yeah, sure. We're not talking about that movie, are we? I'll yeah. totally use yeah, Nick Cannon. Are. Damn. <laughs> I'm a genius. All right, we could talk about Nick Cannon a little longer Dude, if you his want. his character's name is Salazar. <laughs> Salazar. Jesus. All right, describe this character for me, because I'm kind of visualizing the bad guy from Resident Evil 4. I, that, that's what I would think about. I, I'm pretty sure he's just an army guy. He's just Nick Cannon, but he's an army guy. Just Nick Cannon being Nick Cannon. And his name's Nick Salazar. Cannon <laughs> For some And that's the way reason. he always says his name. Hi, I'm Salazar. And also, yeah, we just say Salazar. No, also starred Salazar. the girl who uh, voiced Aerith in Final Fantasy Advent Children. Ah. Look at that. Ah. She's going places. She is. Or she She's did go places. To... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like looking back into a window into the past and, you know, our... We learned about this girl, and now she's growing up and voicing anime characters or video game characters, and you know we're just we're so proud of her. Yeah, she's like has like eight different projects right now. Apparently, she's become popular. I know. She yeah, doesn't have American Beauty. What? What? Damn, classic. Who was she in uh-huh. American Beauty? 
God. Okay, yep. we're, we're really off topic. We are very off topic. You know what this reminds me of? Why don't you introduce our movie ghosts. for today, Andrew? Um, so today for our 11th movie, which I feel like we should just wait two movies, we are reviewing 13 Ghosts, because it could be like our 13th uh, movie, 13 Ghosts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a remake. Um, I believe this was the. It was 2005 when this came out? Uh, 2001. 2001. What the Jesus Christ? That's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And the original was a 1960 film. Um, and it was kind of part of that whole, like, um, William Castle's kind of, like, gimmicky movies. Like, he's going to do the Tingler and stuff, mm-hmm. where they would have, like, you know, shit spray on your legs and stuff to make you afraid that the Tingler was going to get your neck and whatnot. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the original? I have not seen the original. Was that the one that, like, they warned everyone beforehand that if you have heart issues, then don't go see this movie because you might die? Or was that another Vincent Price one? Or that may have been the that may Vincent been the, Price one. Well, Vincent Price wasn't in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That could have been... I'm sure that's a lot of movies around the time. I feel like there's a lot of, like, you know, that, like, remember to tell yourself. It's only a movie. Yeah. It's only a movie mm-hmm. for a house... Not a house named the Hill. Mm-hmm. What is it? Last House on the Left, and that was the thing for that. Um, yep. but yeah, this, this one, like this one, the whole gimmick was the, the ghost viewer goggles that they had, which is kind of what like the glasses they get later in this movie are like basically, mm-hmm. um, in the movie, a boy gets a pair of glasses, allow him to see ghosts. Um, and they also gave like the audience kind of basically like kind of like 3d goggles, but they were separate, separated so that like one section was blue, one section was red. And they basically mm-hmm. overlaid two sections of film. So one, of, so there's for the film that was going on. Then they also filmed, I think on blue film, I can't remember the ghost scenes. And they'd overlay mm-hmm. it. So then when you put on the glasses, you could see them better. So if yeah. you put on the red glasses or the red look through the red viewfinder, then you'd be able to see them better. And if you look to the blue viewfinder, you'd be able to see them at all. So they mm-hmm. kind of like gave you that option. Um, yeah, I'm reading up right now. It looks like the technique was called illusion O. Yeah, and basically the way they promoted it was saying well the brave ones you could go ahead and watch the movie using the blue lenses and that would remove the ghosts so you can't see them but if you uh, i'm sorry the brave ones you know you could review it through the red filter and that would intensify all the ghosts well the blue one you couldn't see the ghosts at all so well actually i, I rewatched a little promo because like before basically that happened before the movie starts william castle the guy who came up with his idea which actually is probably yeah. why they're called dark castle films all these remakes uh he comes on and, and is like if you believe in ghosts, look in the red. If you don't believe in ghosts, look in the blue. And mm-hmm. given that most of what we will watch nowadays, versions of this film, we don't have the glasses, we are all living that blue life and not yeah. right, seeing what's there. It's kind of hard to see. Like, I watched it back when it was like on TV when I was younger. Because I thought it was this new one. Mm-hmm. It came out, I don't know, for some reason they were showing it on TV, and I was like, oh shit, this new like scary horror movie, I'm going to watch it. And I was just really confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to watch without the goggles, because it's really hard to see what's going on. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Well, uh, that was the original. And Dark Castle Entertainment, who was this company that was kind of pumping out movies in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, decided to go ahead and remake it, just like they remade House of Wax and also made other movies in similar horror vein, like House Ghost on Ship. Hill. House on Haunted Hill. Wait, was Ghost Ship um, a remake? Hmm? Was Ghost Ship a remake? I don't believe so, no, but it was it, it's it's very similar style of horror. It was a classic. Uh-huh, yeah. Might as well have been yeah. a remake. Uh-huh, yeah. It was a good one, that opening scene, but we've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, the Reaping, um, Orphan, and all that good stuff right there. Yeah. And that, well, now they're so, just doing a bunch of movies. Yeah. Um, and I guess to kind of, like, thematically or just kind of get some 
conjunction between all of these movies together, I would say a lot of these are very much a product of their time. The soundtrack, the cinematography, the general plots, it's all very similar. Um, They use a lot of quick jump cuts. They Mm -hmm. use a lot of, like, not super A-list actors at the time, but decently up there. Um, Quality is really good, and generally, honestly, most of them have decently happy endings, too. Um, Yeah. And a lot of the gore looks very similar in all of these movies. Yeah, there really wasn't much gore in this movie, honestly. No, and looking back, um, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. I remember it was one of those sleepover movies where I would, in middle school, be like, oh, yeah, let's go watch a movie. And then my one friend would be like, oh, let's watch this scary movie, 13 Ghosts, because he had satellite television. And oh, shit. we... We had it in the basement, so the parents couldn't come on down and see what was going on. So I remember he always wanted to watch these crazy, scary movies, and I remember this was one I pretended to be asleep at. I was just like, nah, I'm really tired. You guys can go ahead and watch the movie. So this movie stood out to me a lot more, and I thought it was going to be a lot scarier than it was. And, you know, obviously I'm grown up and everything like that and watched a hell of a lot of scary horror movies by this point. But this is kind of one that stuck with me in middle school, and then I forgot about it for a long time, and then came back to it and watched it the other week. And, Andrew, I gotta say, this was a fun movie. Oh yeah, it's definitely a fun movie. Yeah. I I, I love the set design. I thought the house was just this really, really cool design. I like the design of the ghosts. I like the general story. Um... It's just, it's very much a product of its time, and in terms of a fun horror movie, you really can't go too wrong with this one, so. Yeah, you just can't think about it too much, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you want to head on into the plot then? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. So we've got our opening scene, uh, which is set in a junkyard, and what are they doing there? Why why we open this up in a junkyard? Oh, well, obviously. Um so basically, in the, in the junkyard, we kind of get a, um, it's a it's a junkyard. There's all these cars piled up everywhere, and, and these stacks. Uh-huh. And basically, we uh, we get this uh, truck that just barrels its way in. It's a big like tanker, um, and all these men in like silver little costumes come out. It kind of reminds me of like the costumes they have in uh, Predator Two that all the guys wear to kind of not be seen by the Predator because they're all wearing these like metallic-y kind of almost like Ghostbuster costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're uh, they're basically setting up uh, a trap to catch a ghost. Mm. Um, and we ended up meeting our, wait, what would you, what would you call, like, our lead? Who, what would you call, uh, Matthew Willard? What is he? I, uh, I wouldn't call him a lead. I would call him a secondary lead slash comic relief. Okay. Like, for, for the record, so, Matthew Willard's in this movie. He's the guy who plays, um, Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo live-action films. He's also, oh, yes, he um, one of the killers in the original Scream film. Uh, no spoilers mm-hmm. there. Oh, I guess that is a spoiler. But, you know, they should have seen that already. Yeah, I'm sorry. He, he I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, he's the best part of this movie. I fucking love him. If this oh, movie God. could just be about him, it would uh-huh. be, like, this movie would actually be, like, an amazing movie. Not, no, I, no ironics or anything like that. It would just be the best movie. Yeah, he's, no, I absolutely 100% agree. That was in my notes, too. He plays the hell out of this role. So basically, describe his character. His name is, character's name is Dennis. Um, and he is a psychic assistant working for a ghost hunter named Cyrus, and Cyrus is played by F. Murray, uh, Murray Abraham, who's mm-hmm. got some acting chops. Um, Dennis is kind of this neurotic, uh, spacey, 
He is panicky all the time, but he also has the ability to detect these goats and figure out where they are. And if anyone touches him, he also gains all of their memories, gains all of their thoughts, and it freaks the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. So he's a man who has been dealing with these powers his entire life, and it's basically turned him into this freaker is the best way to describe it. He freaks out about everything. He's he's the epitome of game over man, game over yeah. the entire movie. Well, it's also unfortunate because we only see him in an environment where he's constantly being pushed into these things that fuck him up. Oh, yeah. yeah maybe, no, he's maybe, sympathetic. Maybe definitely. he's at a bar. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, Matthew Litter, he acts the hell out of this role. I absolutely love him. He's always a joy to watch. I, you know, when I first saw this again for a couple weeks ago, I didn't remember the plot too well, except for the ending. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking to myself, oh, God, he's probably going to be killed off real early. And now he actually sticks around until most of the movie. So I was really happy to see that. Yeah, he really does. I'm surprised. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we've got Cyrus, the ghost hunter, and his psychic assistant, uh, Dennis, uh, who are tracking down this last ghost in the junkyard. Yeah. Um, with a whole team of other ghost hunters here and there. Yep. Yeah. So what else happens? Yeah, so um, as these two, basically these two are setting up, they're kind of uh, talking about how this is the 12th ghost that they need, the last ghost that they need. Um and as they kind of make their way towards getting ready, getting um, laying a trap for this ghost, uh, this pair of almost like PETA for ghosts kind of comes up and tries to stop them. Um, uh -huh. But they are quickly apprehended. Um, and the girl, I know we learn her name later, but she looks just like, a, I just kept calling her like young Sigourney Weaver because she looks like Sigourney Weaver, but oh yeah, not her. Um, uh -huh. I and I like the way you put that PETA for ghosts, basically, because at one point Cyrus does say, oh, gosh, don't you have anything better to do? Shouldn't you be tossing, you know, red paint on fur coats? Yeah. And like, yeah, that's very, very much what's going on. So. Yeah. And so it basically said they, they get them away. Uh, they'll come back later. Um, yeah. But they start their trap, which basically yeah. um, they start spraying blood. This oil trucker just starts spraying blood everywhere, which is kind of confusing because we already kind of see the ghost perspective earlier. So we kind of assume the uh -huh. ghost is already there and Matthew Lillard knows where it is. So yeah. I don't quite know and what Matthew they're doing. <laughs> there is a part two where Matthew literally like touches the floor and then Cyrus goes, Oh, where's the ghost? And then he actually like points out a map and Matthew says, Oh, he's right here. So yeah. I, d I didn't quite get that. Like it seemed like a, yeah. it seemed like things were kind of out of order there. I feel like that the uh -huh. editing may have needed to be moved around a little bit. Um, yeah. but so they start spraying blood, uh, blood. They start playing like a recording, some demonic recording. Um, yep. and people start dying. Mm-hmm. Um, all over the place uh, this invisible oh yeah this is a very critical part the ghosts in, these in this movie as a callback to the original are invisible and they can only be seen either if you're psychic or if you have these special pair of glasses well then you said that the pair of glasses the psychic part you can see them in visions but you can't see them physically in front of you yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh, and what do you think about these ghosts I thought they were awesome like like some of them, like the guy, like so one guy gets like dragged up over a stack, and then you kind of see him get pulled into a car and this blood splatters. Another yes, guy I... gets like literally gets dragged in by the waist under the hood of a car, so his back just snaps in half and he gets pulled in. Yeah, like his head I is like with that. his legs. Uh -huh. It was so cool. Yeah, that that second one definitely where he's kind of squeezed in through the gap in the two, and you know butt first, and he just kind of ooh. So you know it looks like he's trying to suck his own dick, but just. Went a bit too far, flew a little bit too close to the sun. Well, it's, and like it, it's uh -huh. insane too, because like to me, I think these are the best kills in the movie. Well, they're probably the only, uh... they're, the, they're like the only real kills in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say the one kill later on in the movie definitely takes the cake. But the, I mean, the only other kill. This, <laughs> the only other kill. Hey, there's there's two there's two more kills to go. Well, three more kills to go. Okay, actually. yeah, fair enough. But yeah, uh, 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, like, kind of the shock and awe, blood everywhere kind of scene in the middle, in the beginning of the film, it, and it's, we get a little bit of our body count right there. It's very much like the uh, Jurassic Park opening with the Lost Raptors. Yes. Like, Ooh, that's a good way the, the containment cage and everything. So, basically, uh-huh. as these guys are getting killed, um, their job is to try to lure this, um, this ghost who is called the Berserker? Yes. Berserker? Um, into... Uh, this cube that they have, this like glass cube, and eventually I'm sorry, not Berserker, the Juggernaut. Oh, this is the Juggernaut. Sorry, how the did Juggernaut. I for- how did I forget that one? Um, and so the Juggernaut, uh, I want to say Juggernaut bitch. Um, he basically <laughs> chases one of the guys into this cube and gets locked in there, um, and basically you know bashes this guy against the wall and shit. Um, mm-hmm. And they caught and they caught him. And Matthew Lillard is not happy about the fact that this guy is getting tortured inside here with the Juggernaut. But mm-hmm. uh, the benefactor, whatever the fuck his name is. Cyrus. Cyrus doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's like, great, this is awesome. Um, uh-huh. But And then we also get a little bit of character development, too, from Matthew, Lillier, uh, L- Matthew who is basically or the psychic dude, Dennis, who is going, oh, you know, I, I never signed up for this. You told me this, you know, all of that. And we realize that he's there just for the money, but he's quickly getting way in over his head. Which is also kind of weird because, like, if theoretically he's captured the other... 11 ghosts with him so yes I don't know about this <laughs> I don't know about uh, uh-huh. about his uh, feigning ignorance here um, yeah and I mean well uh, and the juggernaut doesn't seem any more dangerous than some of the other ghosts later on in the movie so I don't know well I think like we're meant to believe the juggernaut's the strongest of them because he's like a 6 foot something guy but like yeah I don't know it's, it's a little weird um, but anyway yeah. but um, so after he's he's trapped though they turn around and we see that actually Cyrus and the and Green on, Peace on, guy on, are both dead. Like Maybe the glasses, in addition to being able to see them, work as like the Dragon Ball Z power level, where we can see the power level of all the ghosts, and like the Juggernaut is over 9,000, and the rest of them are just, you know, 50 or 100, and the dead wife is, you know, obviously like 4, because yeah. she's a wimp. But what a wimp. Yeah. When the little yeah. boy with the arrow in his head, like, yeah, loser. Oh, yeah. Scrub. He's a cruel <laughs> Anyway, continue. Yeah. So basically, like, it, um, we kind of pan back and find out that Cyrus and the Greenpeace PETA guy are both dead. I think they both got hit mm-hmm. by like, shrapnel. That's um, what it yep. looks like. Um, which I don't remember when anything exploded, but it happened apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's kind of our introduction. That's our mm-hmm. Jurassic Park scene right there. Yep. So, woman Greenpeace member, she swears vengeance on these ghosts, and she wants to set these ghosts free because, you know, obviously ghosts need to be free. That was the whole point of Demi Moore's ghosts, there we go. right? Uh-huh. Um, and then Cyrus is dead, too. So we get into our opening credits, uh, which covers a lot of exposition. It really does. In a very short time. It's, it's aggravating. Okay, so it, it's, it's a slow pan of this small kind of, I would say, like a library nook, um, kind of like a rompus room, mm-hmm. where it zooms in on our main character, played by Tully, Sh- Toby, Tony, Tony Sh- Shaloub, yep. who was Monk. Um, and I'll get to him later. But basically... As the opening credits come on in and all the actors, directors, the names are scrolling across the screen, we hear in the backgrounds basically Tony's whole shtick and where he is. And we basically find out that he's a widower, his wife died in the fire, he has two young children, one's a teenager, one's a kid kid, and that's how it goes. And we're hearing this through audio clips that are playing as the camera pans around and moves around. The whole scene lasts for about two minutes, and then it ends with a focus on his face. Yes. And 
it's just a very ham-fisted way of including it. Yeah, it was, and it, it just felt like it took fucking forever. Yes, oh my god. Like, especially because they keep mentioning it over and over again in the future, that his father, that his wife dies in a fire. It's like, so why yeah. the fuck do we have this? Like, yeah. like this is an if emotional you take this movie. Part out, like, this uh, not, this isn't that kind of, this isn't the kind of movie you start with this. Yeah, and if you take, you know, this scene out, we're still going to get all the story beats. We're still going to get the dead wife. We're still going to get the fire. We're still going to get the fact that he's a widower, and, you know, it's really, really affecting him. We're still going to get the fact that he's struggling with money and the wake of his wife dying and all of that stuff. Like, it's very, very pointless. And like you said, it takes forever. Yeah. Uh, so Tony plays a character called Arthur Kritikos, and Arthur, I have never seen Monk. I have never seen much of anything that Tony has been in. Let me just quickly go over his IMDb right here. Uh, he was in Spy Kids. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And he played Splinter in the Ninja Turtles movies, the uh, what? Of, uh, Michael Bay ones. What? Um, yeah. What? so. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, but he is, I mean, I'm sure he's a fine actor. Monk seemed to be a very, you know, popular show. But he does, in my opinion, he is not fit for a leading man role. No, not at all. At all. Well, like, and the thing is, like, in, in Monk, his entire character is a guy who has, like, OCD. And he's this awkward, uh-huh. like... Yeah. Like, and, like, I get that like, he, he kind of plays a dad, I guess. Well, he looks like a dad guy. Mm-hmm. But it's just so... Horror is not the right genre for him. No, at like, all. Not action horror, not, like... Uh-huh. And, like, it feels like he is a good actor... But yeah. he just like isn't meant to be in this movie. Like there's there's scenes earlier where he's supposed to show like sadness until he dies, and it's just the most awkward. It feels like he's in the like little room acting by himself, and the movie's just mm-hmm. somewhere else. But, yeah, and especially his heroic movies later on in the movie, it's just like it's not believable. Oh, God, it's not. No. It, it's kind of like if Toby from The Office played the main role in a leading character role in a horror. That would be amazing. Movie. It's just <sighs> okay. I'd watch it. That would be so good. But I would enjoy it. <laughs> He'd be like, he'd be like, sorry, we, we can't do that. Jason, yeah, you can't go he, around killing people. It's just, just not <laughs> That's allowed. basically what it feels like. It does. Tony is constantly, like, even when he's trying to be angry, it's, he's not loud. He's not angry. Oh, no. He's just kind of disappointed the entire time. Part of me wonders, like, is Tony Shlubo one of those people who's, like, secretly younger than he looks, and he's actually, like, younger, but just looks like an old man? Let's see, he's born in 1953. Um, uh, yeah, he's 65 years old as of right now. So in 2001, he would have been 54. 54? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And now now i got to figure out how old is Matthew Lillard during this movie. Matthew Lillard. Let's see. He's 49 now. Oh, okay. So he's significantly younger. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, thought, I assume so. I was wondering, like, maybe they're roughly the same age, and we just don't yeah, know. no. No, 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 got that. So anyway, that's our leading man right now, Arthur. Um, he is a mathematician who is a widower, and he has three people living in his house. Oh, yeah. He has the teenage daughter slash token eye candy, Kathy, played by Shannon Elizabeth, fresh off her American Pie stint. Then we also have Bobby, who is played by an actor I'm not even going to name because who gives a shit. And then we also have our babysitter slash nanny, uh, who is Maggie. And Maggie is... The worst character very much ever. A product of its time. Oh yeah. This was the era of Wanda Sykes and Queen Latifah and the yeah. You know, I'm not sure if Tyler Perry came onto the scene about this time, but it's very much a. There were a lot of movies around this time that had the loud, sassy black woman, and it can work. 
in this movie, it absolutely does not work at all. No, it, she's, we she's wonder what, atrocious. Oh, God, she's awful. We don't know why she's here. She's not funny. The actress isn't very good. Um, and she completely ruins whatever scene she's in. Well, and, and sorry. yeah. Well, it's like, this movie starts off, and among the credits, it says, Introducing Rod Digga. And I'm like, who the fuck is Rod Digga? This is, this is <laughs> yeah. Rod Digga. This is Rod Digga. She is a, well, that's her stage name, Radiga. Yep. Her real name is Rashia Tashan Fisher, and she has been in... Not much. She, okay, so her Wikipedia page doesn't even include a table for her acting credits. It includes a section that's just a single paragraph, which includes the movies Da Hip Hop Witch and 13 Ghosts. Yep. And yep. do you know she also sings the closing song, Near Mirror, at the end? Oh god! So Justin, I, I thought I had to do. I was done with her fucking voice. It just uh-huh. it's, it's oh, like we'll talk about the end credits. I, in the I have a problem with the end credits too. I even copied. Um, I copied part of her IMDb into my notes. Uh-huh. It's just you can tell that she wrote it herself. Yeah. So one of the most respected and premier MCs, dash, regardless of gender, dash, Raisha Fisher, aka Radiga, has been legendary. She started off the only female member of New Jersey's acclaimed hip hop group, The Outsiders, where she also met her future husband. Young Z. Raw exploded in the music scene when she caught the eye of a tribe called Quest Q-Tip, who introduced Ra to Busta Rhymes, who brought her on board as the only female member of his foot mode squad. It wasn't long before Ra would be featured on some of the hip-hop's most groundbreaking and influential projects, from Grammy winners and nominees to platinum juggernauts and to gold gems, including... I think this was the Fijis. The Score, DJ Clues, The Professional, Part 2... Silver bust, several Busta projects, When Disaster Strikes, Genesis, and it Ain't Miss Safe No More, just to name a few. Like, her, it, the, the, she has the longest fucking IMDb I've ever seen for somebody who's in two movies. Yeah, and she wrote, and she wrote it all herself. obviously it's written entirely by her, and I'm sure after she wrote it, she gave herself a high five. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. oh wait, 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 sorry, I need to interrupt the last paragraph. Oh, oh there's more? There's the, no, dude, I just, read, I just read the first two sentences, but I'm gonna hop down oh, to the second God. paragraph, the last part. Okay. Now, well, you know, I have dinner to go to, and no, you know, no, a little bit. No, so. you, you got you got to hear um. this. You're, 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 okay, I'll just, I'll just read yeah. the last line. It says, "Okay, right, here please we go. do." Here we go. <clears throat> oh shit! Okay, no way. After this whole thing, sorry. Now, ten years after her solo gold solo debut, Dirty Harriet, Rodrigo is going back to her hip hop roots with a new album, Classic. This album, produced by hip-hop super producer Knotts, is Rodiga at her purest, going back to her B-girl roots with ten of her most hard-hitting and lyrically challenging tracks to date. It's what her fans and fellow artists have been waiting ten years to hear. The return of Rodiga has long been overdue, and it is finally upon us. Oh, man. Damn. So that's what that parade the other day was for. It's, it's all for Rodiga. Rodiga's return. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This... Okay, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. The... Ugh. Her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk. Uh, let's go away from the person of Rod Digga and let's talk about the character Rod Digga because I've got plenty to say about this character. Maggie. First off, why the fuck is she in this movie? So I kept like trying to figure that out myself. Uh huh. Like, so she's a nanny. Yep. For these kids, and I, I, I can buy. You know, Arthur needs some. You know, he's a single father. He needs someone to help take care of the nannies. He, all of that. He has no money. He's overdone yeah. all his bills. How is he paying her? Yeah, in that slow pan shot at the very beginning, when we learn that wife dies in the fire, it's you know. 100 bills just stapled to the wall. Yep. Past due, past due, past due. Who's paying this woman? I don't think... What's like, going on here? I think she'll be living with them, but even fucking... When we cut... The, the opening scene is of the daughter cooking breakfast, 
Yes. And the and the, the fucking nanny just sitting there being like, I'm not going to cook that, sh- that breakfast. Yeah, like, and not only that, Shannon Elizabeth, Kathy goes, oh, yeah, you don't want to taste her cooking. She's a terrible cook. And it's just like, why can't you take care of her, Kathy? Yeah. Shannon Elizabeth. You're also pretty old. Like, how old are your yeah. kids supposed to be in this movie? <laughs> I know. I, I mean, she's obviously teenage age. She's old enough to take care of, you know, younger brother Bobby. And Bobby isn't, eh, you know, he's, he's he gets into trouble sometimes. But a weirdo. He is what it is. Oh, yeah. I wish he died, but, you know, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so, all right. So, yeah. So, they're eating breakfast. Um, you know, we, we get that, like, Tony Schlieb's trying to make the best of it, but tensions are kind of high living in this place with, you know, crazy woman and all their bills. Um, but they get a knock on the door, and uh, we get introduced to a lawyer. Who I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Um, Dennis, Dennis Rafkin. Dennis Rafkin. Nope, nope. Dennis, Dennis is the psychic. Ben Moss is the lawyer. And I kind of fucking love the lawyer, like, up until he turns evil, he, like... He's so swarmy. He, well, he's, he, and it's, like, the best way, though. I'm like, man, like, he looks like he's really trying. He's like, all right, I'm going to fuck these people over, but damn, they're in a serious situation. I'm, like, not going to be a dick about it as I come, you know. As I mm-hmm. fuck them over, I'm not going to be a dick. So he's like... He reminded me a lot of the overly um, serious lawyer from Arrested Development that's just professional all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, because he deals with a lot of shit in this fucking house. Um, oh, yeah. But basically, he comes in and opens up his laptop and shows them the last will and testament of Uncle Cyrus Criticos, who, uh, fun fun fact, is actually the name of the father, is like the name of Tony Shalhoub's character in the original movie. So this oh, could be some okay. spiritual sequel where after, you know, after the events happen, uh-huh. he gets the house. You know? I see how it is. They're starting that 13 Ghost Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Watch out, Marvel. Um, but yeah, so basically he tells them, like, yo, guys, like... If I'm dead, you know, I always admire the fact that you had a family and you, like, love your children, so you guys can have my house and live there. Like, great life. Um, which is cool. But did you notice that, like, this fucking lawyer on the laptop he shows them, the background has pictures of all 13 of the ghosts and, like, yeah. the information of how to, like, fucking summon them and, like, it has, like, the diagram of the eye and all that shit. And it's just like, What? It's like a deadite going to Ash Williams and opening up his laptop, and there's the Necronomicon just sitting in a picture in the background and saying, "Hey, Ash, hey, this dead uncle, uh, you know, left you a ton of money." Although I could see Ash totally saying, "Oh yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Let's go." Uh-huh. But like, this is yeah, like an educated person, like, yeah, and like, like I would have so many questions. Like, why is there, like a face of like why is there, like some moaning face in the background? What's this thing? What is this like symbol that's in the background? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, just like oh, I'm just I'm really into creepy stuff and I like it. I'm also, like, okay. Dude. Why did my uncle make some weird fucked up video of telling me to give me the house when he was like still like in good health? Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that I could buy a little bit more because you know he's got a lot of money to push around and that's just kind of stability. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, Arthur inherits the house. Um, from Cyrus, and they, all the kids and the nanny are really, really excited about it, because this is kind of the solution to all of their problems. So, the house is about four hours away from city that they're in, and the lawyer also says, oh, yeah, Cyrus, he didn't like neighbors. We're really far away from everyone. So, they head on over to the house, and this is one of the things I love most about the movie is just the design of the house. Mm -hmm. So to describe it, it's entirely a glass house. There's glass walls, glass doors, um, the supports aren't glass, but for the most part, it's all glass. Even the bathrooms are just fogged up glass. Um, 
like you would see at the swimming pool, and that's about it. And then the glass is also written with a whole bunch of Latin phrases and spells, which they don't think is weird at all. Yeah. They're just like, wow, this is a cool house, blah, blah, blah. Like, if I saw this building in the middle of the woods and someone told me it's a house, I would be like, uh, no, it's obviously some sort of avant-garde art project. Yeah, well, even if I can go inside of it, you're like, what is this? This is kind of like weird-ass, like, yeah. college campus or possibly like an experimental, like, lab or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is obviously some sort of movie set. Oh, yeah. But it looks really cool. Um, I really like some of the cinematography tricks they use with it as they move the camera through all of these glass walls and ceilings. And it helps with making it very disorienting, too. Yeah. Because later on, when the ghosts are chasing the characters through the halls, when you can see into other rooms, it's hard to tell which way to go, which way to stop. It's like in a funhouse mirror maze. Um, yeah. So they do a great job with that. So I really like the set design. Mm-hmm. And we meet up with uh, Matthew Lillard again, who plays Dennis Rafkin, the psychic, who is disguised as a power company employee, and basically says, yo, dudes, listen up. This house has been drawing power for over, you know, 600 people, and about 600 people are without power right now, so I gotta go in there, I gotta investigate, figuring out what's going on. So, that's that. Uh, the lawyer is obviously kind of bitching about it for a while, and then... Arthur says, oh, no, it's fine. I own the house now. You can come on in, check around, do what you need to. No problem. So they take the key. Oh, the keyhole just completely swallows Can we talk about that key for a second? Key? Yes, that, that I was key just about to. So, uh-huh. Like, what the fuck is that key? That key? The key is, like, basically the size of like a lighter if you flattened it into, like, a rectangle. Yes. And, like, nobody has any questions. Nobody's like, where the fuck did this key? Why is this a thing? Like, yes. what, like that is the biggest red flag I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, absolutely, and there's like weird occult symbols around the keyhole, and they put it in, but I mean, these are the people who kind of missed the whole desktop background from the lawyer, so maybe they just, maybe it's a monk thing where like he just misses everything. I, I guess. He misses all the occult symbol, he just, you know, he does. he's not looking into it when it happens, but he looks away when the screen happens. See, it's, this is where the sassy Maggie character could be used, uh-huh. because then she could be used as the audience perspective of, of calling out the weird shit. Yeah. But then they use it that way. Nope. Uh-huh. You, know, you know the fucking yeah, line we get from simple... her? The fucking line we get? Mm-hmm. Maggie, Miss Maggie does not do windows. <laughs> yes. She's like, I don't know what you guys want. Miss Maggie does not do windows. It's like, if you're, if you're getting fucking paid to clean the house, then you're fucking going to do windows. Like, what? Yeah. Like, then you're fucking fired. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Uh, and yeah, no one reacts to how weird this house is. Nope. So as he turns the key... Some sort of mechanic starts to stir up in the house, and we're not 100% sure what it is just yet, but they decide to go on in, power goes on, and they all enter the house, uh, where they come across this foyer, which is this multi-layered circle that has all these sorts of occult symbols written on it. And once again, no one is be amused by this whole thing, and they all just love it none of them are in the center is like spinning the center of it is like spinning around because the device got turned on yes and Uh actually it pissed me off because if you look that that the that thing spinning is cg that little fucking like like maybe foot diameter disc they had they cg instead of just made a fucking practical spinning thing like what the fuck Uh so easy yeah oh my favorite part too um dennis rafkin do you notice the logo on his chest no uh, so his jumpsuit that he's wearing 
to sneak into this house. Um, right where the company logo would be, it's just a lightning bolt, and it says power and light. Like, it's the most generic company thing you can think of. Bro, you didn't have much time, all right? You got to you say one disc can be do van pulled it out. <laughs> yeah, it's the best Shaggy can do. You know, he's got a lot of weed to smoke. I do love that Shaggy's in a movie about ghosts. Uh, no, it's great. He's he's Dude, the best. Maybe this is like Shaggy, like after like all the fucking mystery ink got like destroyed in a ghost attack, and they all got murdered, mm-hmm. and so he like you know became mentally scarred and thus could see ghosts. Yeah, this is his Logan. Yeah, this is his Logan, where like everyone you know, Scooby and Fred and Velma and Daphne, they all died in a tragic accident, and this is him, you know, kind of atoning for his sins while dealing with his past demons. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's my headcanon now. I like it. Yeah. I also really now want to. Um, I want to like recut this movie to hurt. Johnny Cash. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do that later. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, we explore the house a little bit more. We realize that some of the walls move back and forth. It's basically an entire trap or slash movable house slash carnival fun maze. It's like, it's um, like AVP. It is. It yeah, actually this crazy. actually is AVP. This is Alien vs Predator vs Ghost. <laughs> Um, there's a whole bunch of other priceless artifacts too. We got a samurai sword. We got a whole bunch of uh, nautical equipment, and obviously there's a lot of money to spend around there. The attorney is basically saying, "Oh, come on, come on, we got to sign these documents." And Arthur goes, "No, wait, let's explore the house a little bit more. I got property taxes and stuff to talk about." And then he goes over to the kids and Maggie and says, "Listen, you stay right here. Don't move." And what does Maggie and everyone else do? They fucking sprint. They, they immediately, they're just like, all right, Dad, sure, you're not intimidating at all, and they just... Again, Maggie needs to be fired. She's not doing the one fucking yeah. job she has. Oh, yeah, and thankfully, Arthur calls her out on that later on, but still, Barely. it's... Ooh. Yeah. So Arthur and the lawyer go into the library, and Dennis heads on down to the basements, um, where he is under the pretense of investigating power, but honestly, he is looking for... to continue what he started before. He's looking for the ghosts. He's looking to figure out what's going on here. So he heads on down, and we get our first glimpse of the myriad of ghosts that affect the basement. All of these ghosts are in their containment cubes. They're trapped in the basements, and as he puts on his glasses, he's able to see them back and forth. And he realizes, oh shit, Cyrus brought all the ghosts back here, and this is crazy. So immediately he runs upstairs where Arthur and the lawyer are signing all the paperwork and getting ready to take care of all of that when Cyrus says, all right, listen, I'm not a power company um, employee. I am a ghost hunter. And I love that he doesn't say the word ghost yeah. first off. He's just like, wraiths, no, spirits, no, uh, reverence. But he, he, and then he, he's like, the remnants of past lives are here. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> ghost? <laughs> you know. Obviously, Arthur doesn't play D&D, but, you know, it is what it is. And then finally, he admits defeat, and it's just like, all right, this is going to sound crazy, but ghosts. Remember Ghostbusters? Yeah, they're here, they're in the basement, and they want to kill us. Well, and I, so and I, think I, like, I think this is actually a great sign for Matthew Lillard's, like, acting, because, like, that line could have been delivered so badly, but, like, uh-huh. he delivered it so well that like, you feel like this character actually is concerned about, like, not just, like, oh, ghosts are crazy, but he's saying it in a way where he's like, I'm concerned about your family, please leave. Like... Yeah. He does, like, such a good job. And you can tell, like, when you learn later that he was involved in, like, with the mother and stuff, you can just, like, see that pain on his face of, like, I'm trying to make things right, and, like, you need to uh-huh. Like, I thought he did such a good job expressing that. I was really impressed. Yeah. 
Now, his final line in this movie is something like, oh, I just want to do something that I'm proud of. And that line actually really hit me hard. I was like, damn, that's a really good line for his character because he's someone that has committed a lot of sins and he's been through a lot of shits and he just wants to make up for it. He wants to be a good person overall. Yeah. Um, and he does really sell this scene. Right. Kills it. So he basically explains that to Arthur that there's 12 spirits trapped inside the house. They're all in the basements. Um, the glass, the Latin written on the glass is spells, and they basically cannot cross the glass whatsoever. And that's why this place looks so crazy, because it's not so much a house as it is a prison for these ghosts, as we know right now. Mm-hmm. At this point, Mr. Lawyer decides, you know what, fuck this, and just sneaks on off. Oh. He just kind of leaves. Well, the thing for that where he's, he's, like, he's like, he's like, oh man, this guy's crazy. He's been doing this ever since, you know, ever since the guy Silas died. He's like, you know, he just wants money. He's like, he probably thinks he owes him money or something like that. And I love it because Matthew Lillard goes like, yeah, he did owe me money. He owes me a shitload of money. <laughs> just like, yeah. Yes. But yeah. Then, then the lawyer sneaks off. And... Uh, yeah. So the lawyer sneaks out, heads into the basements, and. The lawyer at this point, he we recognize that he really does know all of these ghosts before, and he, you know, kind of says, kind of taunts the ghost. He's just like, oh, don't get too angry. There's one naked ghost, and he goes, nice tits. Which, um, again, and he heads on over. I feel, like, hmm? I feel like all that taunting and shit is because before that, his character wasn't really, like, bad enough. Like, we learned that he's involved in this, but he wasn't really, like, a dick. So I think they wanted to make him a dick quickly, so he wouldn't care if he got killed. Yeah. So up until that point, yeah, he's it, kind it, of an understandable character. Yeah, and it's kind of like a... It, it feels like a reshoot sort of thing. Yeah. Where they realize, oh, shit, he's not so much of a dick. So he's got to move on in. Um, so what happens is he goes into the basement, and there's this huge mechanism in this large room, and there's a briefcase in the corner. So he lifts up the briefcase, and he looks inside it, and there's a ton of money. But as he lifts it up, he releases this mechanism, um, and stuff starts to work throughout the house. And again... I love this setting. I think this is a great setting because the tension added in this scene where the briefcase is lifted up, but we are not sure what exactly is happening in the house. Something's happening. Gears are moving. We're hearing noises. We're seeing walls move, but we don't know exactly what's happening. Um, The house is almost a character on its own, honestly, and the oppressive nature of it really does help sell the tension in this movie. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, the lawyer heads on back, and he slowly walks around, and he realizes that when he lifted up the briefcase, the doors to the prisons that have been holding in the ghosts are opening up. So he's kind of walking around and thinking, oh, shit, what's going on there? When he comes across the angry princess, one of the 12 ghosts, uh, the one who he said nice tits to earlier, and she slowly starts to stalk him, goes further, a little bit back and forth, And he's backing up saying, hey, sorry, I was just joking around, ha, ha, ha. And then he just stops as a glass wall slides right through the middle of him, just front to back. Um, So the front half of him and the back half of him are completely severed at this point. And there's this great, great kill where he slowly realizes what's happening. His glasses fall off first because they're broken. Then his tie falls on off in slow motion, and he slowly slids down to the floor, and then the back half slides down to the floor, too. I remember that scene vividly, because that was a scene when Dan was in middle school and trying to get to sleep as this horrific movie was playing, opened up his eyes, saying, uh, nope, and then closed his eyes back up again. See, 
all I could think about is I'm like, is that possible? That's not possible. No, it's not possible at like, all. Because we see the we see the panes of glass later, and they're like an inch thick. And it's like, nah, uh-huh. not yeah. gonna happen. No, definitely not possible at all. But man, it looks no, so it looked cool. pretty sick. Uh-huh. Actually, okay, here's my yeah. question for you that, that I've wondering ever since the movie started. Uh huh. What's the point of the ever changing rooms? It's a machine. What's the point of it? It's a machine. That's a best okay. I got for you. <laughs> like, I, in Elmer's Predator, it makes sense because the idea is to give the, the hunters a challenge and move things around and isolate them and whatnot and make like a more yep. difficult hunt. But in this one, aside uh-huh. from opening the doors, there's no necessity for any any fucking thing else to start moving around the way it does in this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> like once this mechanism starts, glass panels start sliding everywhere, and doors and things open and close, and new new places are accessible. Like, why? Uh-huh. Like when we, it's when we like get to the end of this movie, Resident Evil Mansion on Mass. Like, why was this the thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's cool for the movie. But yeah, it's utterly impractical. Uh-huh. Yeah, very impractical. So we cut back to everyone else upstairs who are running around the house. Um, Bobby finds a room with action figures, and he also finds a pair of glasses that allows him to see the ghosts, although he doesn't see them just yet. Mm. Uh, Maggie finds one too, and also Kathy finds one too. Uh, but Kathy doesn't put it on. Kathy is so excited about this bathroom that she finds. It's the coolest bathroom ever. There's already perfume that she kind of, you know, snips into. And then she decides to check on it in the mirror. And she spends about five minutes. Oh, right? Forever. Combing the same strand of it hair. forever. On her head. It's the most ridiculous thing. It's, it's not even like, you know, oh, she's brushing her entire hair. Or, you know, she's looking at her face and looking over. No, it's literally she's got a few strands of hair that are pouring across her forehead and she's just like la 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 over and over and over and over again see well the reason why it takes so long is because the angry princess who i guess killed lawyer dude um creeps up to the bathroom and she can't see him at all and it's supposed to be this whole scene where there's a lot of tension because Kathy cannot see this ghost, but the ghost is right behind her, and the ghost is kind of looking into the mirror. The ghost plays with her own hair as well. Oh, this other thing, this angry princess ghost, she's scarred from head to toe. Mm-hmm. She is not a looker at all. And we get this vague sense that the angry princess is jealous of her beauty, or at the very least, you know, wants to be as pretty as Shannon Elizabeth is. And this is probably one of my bigger complaints in the movie that was solved with the DVD release, is we really don't get to know these ghosts very well. No, not unless you watch those those little videos. Yeah, so on the DVD, and I'm sure on YouTube, there's a whole lot of extra features where they really go into the ghosts' past and who they were, how they died, what got them to the point. And a lot of the stories are very, very interesting, but we really don't see this in the movie. No, not at all. A little more background information, at the very least, with some of the more interesting ghosts would have been a lot better um but yeah so we got the angry princess right there shannon elizabeth decides hey you know i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna keep combing my hair over and over again or just you know the same strands of hair and then she opens up the shower and realizes oh there's a bathtub right there so she turns on the bath and then just starts splashing her face with water it's a very slow motion shot where she's splashing herself over and over and over again when we see that the princess is just kind of laying in the bathtub looking up at her at the same time. So we cut back and forth these quick jump shots of the clean bathroom and then the actual, like, ghost world bathroom, I guess. <coughs> you could call it where it's completely covered in blood. The words, I'm sorry, are written on the floor in blood. And the 
angry princess ghost is just sitting in the bathtub of blood. Water comes out in blood. She begins to splash her face with it when dad knocks on the door and says, hey, listen, where's everyone else? Um, yeah. And I guess this is a good time to talk about my other complaint with the movie is there are way, way too many flashing lights in this yeah. movie. Like jump cuts and shit. When, yeah, jump cuts. I, I, I'm okay with most of the jump cuts. It's just the flashing lights. Whenever, whenever like the camera zooms into the ghost world to the real world, it's always preceded by a flash of bright lights. And there are several signs, especially near the ending, where it's a torrent of just these flash bright lights over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah. You know, it almost sent me into an epileptic seizure, but. It is what it is. So, that was kind of my complaint there. Yeah, I don't blame So, yeah. Uh-huh. So, Shannon Elizabeth almost dies, but, you know, father saves her at the last moments, and we meet Maggie again. And what happens there, Andrew? Oh, fucking Maggie. Um, fucking Maggie. So, basically, um, wait. What are we missing? One of the same place as you. Anyway, um, so what I recall next Maggie, um... So basically, uh, Maggie loses the boy, loses. Yep. Daniel, where's Daniel? I've abandoned my boy. Ben? Yep. Uh, the boy is Bobby. Bobby. Okay. So many names. Anyway, so basically, she loses him, um, and the boy is riding on his razor scooter that he has. Which mm-hmm. did you notice when they, when they like when they first walk into the house that fucking kid is riding his razor, razor scooter? Oh yeah. They're like, hey, we're gonna go explore this new house that we're gonna you're gonna inherit, and the kid grabs his fucking razor scooter. Like, uh-huh. what the fuck? Nobody's like, hey, can you, like, yeah. not ride your scooter around in this brand new house we're just inside? Like, <laughs> technically we haven't even signed the paperwork uh-huh. to own yet. Like, Oh, yeah. No, there's a scene, too, where, like, he picks up a samurai sword, and Arthur goes, not in your dreams, kid. And I don't know. I worked with children for a long time, and I can't think of a single child where if I say, not in your dreams, kid, he would be like, oh, okay, fine, yeah. and not just, you know, grab it when my back's turned. But, it seems good day. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, again, I'm not quite sure what you're going to have Maggie, but then... uh. Uh, so the boy, he kind of goes riding uh, his little razor around, and eventually uh, this wall opens up next to him, like a window or a door, I suppose, glass opens up, and he starts to hear voices calling to him, telling him to uh, come down the stairs, while other voices tell him not to go down the stairs. Well, one specific voice is telling him to come on downstairs. Come on, Bobby, come on. And there's another voice that's saying, no, Bobby, don't mm-hmm. come. But that voice is a lot weaker. Yeah. Wait, and yep. with Maggie, there's something else you're, you're talking about? I apologize. I don't want to skip over it. Uh, yeah, no, Maggie, that's just later. Oh. Um, we're good. Yeah, so we're at the point where everyone's bitching about Maggie. Fucking Maggie. Wait. Fucking Maggie. Everyone's bitching about Maggie? Hmm? Well, yeah, because Maggie doesn't do her job. Maggie lost Bobby. Oh. Okay, yes, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Good game. Yeah, because, yeah, 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 so Bobby goes around yeah. for Okay. I know where we're So Arthur meets up with uh, Kathy and... Maggie, and he realizes, oh, Bobby's not here. Maggie, where is he? And Maggie is just like, well, you know, it's a big house. You know, he's a kid that just rolls around ever. I can't be expected to watch him all the time. It's just like, that's your goddamn your only job, job, Maggie. That's your only job. That's why we pay you with our very limited money. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's just like, goddamn it, Maggie. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, yeah so they're, they're doing that, and basically... Um, at this point, this is when we get all the kind of back, backlog of knowledge about, like, the ectobar glass. It's just satterproof and soundproof, and ghosts can't walk through it. Mm-hmm. And Matthew yeah. Willard talks about the spectral viewers, the, the glasses, and he's like, hey, guys, like, I don't want to be here. I want to get out, but if you're willing to, like, pay me for the money that 
this guy owes me, then I'll help you. And that's mm-hmm. how he ends up joining that. Uh, we also find out, too, that the front doors are completely locked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tries to... Arthur tries to break them open with a chair, and, you know, that is that... It, it worked for Stone Cold Steve Stunner, but it did not work for right, Arthur. It can't be that ectobar glass. It's just it's too good. It can't be. It's too good. It's too good. That's AAA quality. Ectobar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, this whole movie could be an advertisement for ectobar glass, and, you know, I would yeah, buy it. Right. I would. I don't. I don't even have a ghost problem, but I might. Right. I might one yeah, day. Yeah, like any. Like, I'd rather have ghost-proof glass than not have it. Yeah, you know, you just—it's one of those things where you don't need to use it until you do, and you're glad you did. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically. And then this is when this is when we come yeah. back to Bobby, right? Uh, yeah, we come back to Bobby later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the part right here where Bobby is still in the basement and he's wandering on through on his scooter. He does have the pair of glasses that allow him to see ghosts because he picked them up upstairs because, hey, free glasses. And he's just wearing, yeah, he's wearing them back and forth. Um, And he's just kind of wandering on through. When he comes across our very first ghost, or not our very first ghost, but another ghost in the basement who basically is chasing him all around uh, and this one is the Hanged Woman, I believe, or the Bound yeah. Woman. Bound Woman. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bound Woman, uh, who's basically chasing him. So now Bobby knows something's up to him. And we're kind of cutting back and forth between Bobby and the rest of the characters. Arthur is basically going and talking to Kathy and Maggie, saying, Yeah, ghosts are real. They're trying to kill us. Blah, blah, blah. We need to find Bobby and get the hell out of here. Bobby trips, falls down, and... Oh, this scene is a lot longer than I thought. Um, Are you watching it as you as you do it? <laughs> no, I'm a professional. I don't do that because <laughs> Bobby wakes up and sees mom, mom, mom who died in a fire, and we know it's her because half her face is scarred, Breaking Bad style. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say who in case you haven't watched the series yet, but that's that. Um, and mom basically says, "Bobby, you really need to get out of here. Listen to your mom." Okay, go. So that's how it goes right there. But Bobby also drops a recorder at this time and recording his voice as he's screaming in the basements and kind of moves on through. Well, isn't this where we see a certain character appear? Uh, no, do tell. So basically, the mother's like, you need to go upstairs. And he turns around to do so. And when he turns, he ends up seeing, um, fuck, I I forget his name, every time, Silas? Cyrus. Cyrus. So the the, the yep. rich guy from the opening who died is downstairs yep. in the basement. And that's Arthur's when he screams yep. and drops mm-hmm. his thing. So we're like, oh shit. Yep. His ghost is here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all the other characters make it into the basement. And what happens there? Well, I cut back to my original notes that I have down here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and actually, this is where I kind of wondered, like, is it better not to have the glasses? Because I feel like, aside from the ending, nobody gets attacked in this movie when they don't have glasses. Uh, two people get attacked. The daughter gets attacked, and Arthur gets attacked. Is she wearing glasses, though? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, well, she's she not. But, I mean, the, go- the ghost can still hurt you if you're, wearing, if you're not I wearing know, glasses. I feel like, no, I feel like they, never, they never take the initiative, unless, they, unless you see them first. Okay, so you want in that... Oh, I know what... I, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying you want them to form a plan. You want them to split up. You want the plan to go completely awry. You want Matthew Lero to be running around the place with his dog friends, and then eventually they capture the ghost and pull the masks Perf- off. That's what you're saying like, you want. Preferably at some point, like, they go into some different doors, and then, like, when they go into one door, they actually open up another one and come out, and then the person chasing them gets yes. really confused. 
And if we and then the ghosts uh, run on by the samurai suit of armor, and then they slowly move on back, and then they look at the suit of armor, and um, Arthur is just in the suit of armor, and he kind of looks back and forth, and then he jumps out, and then he runs away. Yeah, honestly, it doesn't have to be in the suit of armor. Just any any colorful costumes they can find and then pose in, it will do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. All right, cool. Well, um, when we recut it to Johnny Cash's Hurt as a Logan-esque sequel to Scooby-Doo, we'll make sure to include Good. that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, so um, so they they keep going around, and uh, Lillard they go back they go back downstairs because uh, they want to they want to find um, Bobby and Matthew Lillard's kind of like I don't really know about this, but you're gonna pay me, so let's do it. Um, and they and he Bobby, finds out that all the cell doors are open. my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Monk, Monk cares about his child. Apparently, even mm-hmm. though he he has, has a terrible housekeeper for him. Um, yes. And we kind of learned that like. Uh, most like most ghosts are cool. We kind of uh, Matthew Lord tells us most ghosts are all cool, but if they die mm-hmm. like a violent death, then they'll end up kind of staying after. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe they were just dicks in real life too. That's another. Oh thing. yeah, maybe they're assholes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And we kind of see Matthew Lillard's kind of walking around. He looks and he sees the Juggernaut in his ghost cave because he's not allowed out yet, and he kind of flips him off. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he yep. does, he gets like, a vision, and in the vision, he, see- he sees himself getting like thrown around and beaten against a wall. Which is a little, mm-hmm. uh, little scary for Matthew Lillard. He doesn't seem to care, though. <laughs> He's yep. like, whatever. Um, yep. Well, I guess that's how I go. All right, and, cool. th- and this is when Monk ends up finding uh, the recorder you discussed earlier. So he finds the recorder and he hears his son screaming. Um, and yep. as he's doing this, the sister gets attacked. Yep. Uh, by the jackal, right? By, by the, the jackal, jackal, yes. The jackal's like this, basically this like hag person who's in like uh, a straight jacket that's kind of the, the arms are opened up. So they can move them around, mm-hmm. and they also have this like box on their head that's all like, that's basically like a kind of reminds me of something out of Saw. Like, isn't there like a Saw movie where they get their head in like a box like that, kind of, in like a metal box? Yes, yeah, yeah. It, there's the bear trap from the first movie, but also there's another one too, where there's just a little box on its head. It's you know, it's basically a prison for their yeah, head but it's all like ripped up and stuff. And yeah. he just like, yeah. apparently this per- this the jackal just has crazy nails and shit, and just like cuts the shit out of uh, the sister. Like, he, like, lifts her up and, like, yeah. like rips her open her shirt and, like, with, like, one scratch and stuff. Like, it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we get a little bit of a cleavage shot because, obviously, if you have Shannon a little bit in the movie, you're going to have to have a cleavage shot, even if she's being brutally dismembered at the point. Um, but, again, she's a child in this movie. But, it's weird to have a cleavage shot of that. Yeah. 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 It is. Um, but that's the, that's the Dark Castle way. Yeah, you know, it is. That's how they do things at Dark Castle. They'd, they'd get Paris Hilton after this. So, so as yeah. this is happening, uh, we uh, the Sigourney Weaver lookalike appears. The PETA person appears, and she throws a flare, which I guess we learn is now the kryptonite to ghosts. Mm-hmm. That was convenient. Yeah. And so they throw the flare, and then like instead of helping the sister up, they just basically grab her by the leg and drag her back, yes. which is ridiculous. <laughs> as um, uh-huh. as the jackal flips out, they drag her away. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then we learn um, the Sigourney Weaver character is Kalina Aritza, yeah. um, who is what a self-proclaimed spirit liberator. And her job here is the same job she was at the beginning of the movie: to get into the house, to free all of the spirits because spirits deserve to be free. Goddammit! Yep. And that's how she got, does it. And she says, "You know, you're very lucky that I was here to help you out." Yeah, and then but while they're talking about this, the sister disappears. Like, they're talking, they're like, yo, man, we gotta, we gotta, you know, end this, and we gotta go and meet up with the other people, and then the sister gets taken. 
at some point during this. Yes. Again. Yep. Like, they're just in a corner, and then all of a sudden, bam, gone. So. Which, well, later on, when you think about who the person who takes her is, how did they do that so quietly? I don't know. I don't know. This is a bathroom scene all over again. This is a... This is a... What is the house? It's a machine. But why is it a machine? Shut up. It's a machine. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's another... Don't think about it too fair much. Enough. It's the Dark Castle way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we cut back to... Um, Maggie and I'm just gonna call him Shaggy. Ben, uh, not Ben. Uh, Shaggy. God, what's his name again? Dennis. Dennis. Psychic Dennis. Um, Maggie and Psychic Dennis, who have decided to split up. Oh, yeah, that was another scene we missed earlier, where they're in the basement and they're looking for the kids. And the Arthur goes, "Oh, we should totally split up." And they're just like, "No, that's the dumbest idea ever." Dennis says, and then Arthur says, "No, no, it's okay. You just go down that way. I'll go down that way. We'll turn around and we'll meet up." And obviously it doesn't go on nope. that. But there is a pretty cool scene where Dennis and Maggie get separated. A door closes between the two and they can't escape. Dennis doesn't have his glasses. He actually tosses them to Maggie. And Maggie is able to see through the glass what's going on, but he is not. Um, so one of the ghosts with the baseball dads, who I don't remember which one it is. Is it like a half print something like that or something prints? Half Something like that. Uh, I don't know. The guy with the baseball yeah. bat. Baseball bat ghost. Um, name for the moniker because he has got a baseball bat. Starts attacking Dennis over and over prince. and over again. So, yep. So Maggie is screaming out loud, going back and forth. Oh, dodge, left, right, duck. Like, you know, um, coach and punch out talking to Little Mac going, you know, come on, kid, you got this. So uh, because of that, Dennis actually does manage to escape and get through the door and shut it before he does a lot of damage. Um, but at this point, Dennis is pretty badly beaten up. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I believe it is also Maggie's fault that he got isolated in that room by himself. You I know think, what? I think she bumped into him like when the when the wall started moving. She flipped out and ran into him, and that's why he dropped. You know him. what? Yeah, that's why things happened. That sounds like a very Maggie thing to do. Because I think Maggie. I think even as soon as he gets, he like after they separate, he's like, uh-huh. "Keep going." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, good job." She's like, "Oh, yep, sorry." <laughs> She almost gets him killed. Yep. But, you know, great, great. Yep. Yep. That's Maggie for you. Um, so, yeah, they uh, kind of all go, and they're exploring the basement for a while. Uh, eventually meet up. Yeah, they eventually meet up, and they decide to head off to the library because um, Catalina says, or Dennis says, oh, that's where the, the the library never shifts. It never moves around, and that's also where the most powerful scrolls are. That's where the most powerful spells are, so no ghost could ever make it inside mm-hmm. the library. Um, and, and this is kind of where we get they all yeah, meet up right this there. This is where we get our back information, basically. Uh, Sigourney yeah. Weaver girl. We get our exposition dump right now. Mm-hmm. We get our exposition dump right now. So once yeah. you get into that, so basically, uh, whatever the fuck that girl's name, Catalina has this book called the Arcanum. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Yo, guys, this is like a really ancient book, and it, we worked really hard to get it." Um, and mm-hmm. basically, uh, this house, the thing that we're seeing, the eye in the center is um, a device that was powered by the dead that allows you to see the future. And it was created by this guy who was possessed named Vesilius. Um, and basically he was under demonic mm-hmm. possession. He came up with this idea. He wrote this book, The Arcanum, and came up with, uh, with basically this thing that you have where uh, if you have 12 ghosts and they kind of match the, the dark zodiac or the black zodiac, as they call it, um, and you have them kind of surround this device, um, you can see the future. Um, and the only way to mm-hmm. end the device is to 
create the 13th ghost, which is created out of pure love. Like, every every Zodiac has some kind of power associated with it. Um, and his would be, like, one where somebody gives up their life out of love. Um, and if that 13th yep. ghost is created, it would actually end the... Uh, what, what the eye, whatever the fuck the device is called. Uh, yes, the eye of hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go, eye of hell, yeah. Which is interesting, because... So, in the original... Um, movie, I believe it was that there were 12 ghosts, and basically they just needed the 13th to be freed. Was kind of part of that one, was that like there were 12 ghosts, and they were trapped in this house, and they just need the 13th one, and then they can all kind of leave. Um, so that's uh-huh. kind of that's kind of the difference between, I guess, the movie and that one. Um, gotcha. So I see. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we got that. We also get the uh, piece that Arthur is, um, Dennis goes, well, tell tell him about the fourth ghost and arthur's just like what do you mean fourth ghost what, what was the fourth ghost and he learns that the fourth ghost powering the machine is the spirit of his dead wife who he flips yeah. out over he's just like why would oh my god cyrus my dead uncle or my dead uncle decided to you know use my dead wife to power this machine which also brings the question of how clean energy is this ghost That's a great power? question like Besides all the shit that's been happening in this house, which is fairly self-contained, um, you know, it seems like they got the shit over under lock for the most part. But how is how does the ghost power everything? Like, do they just like siphon off energy from the walls, or do they plug the ghosts in somewhere? Or you know, also, you know, how do hmm, how good is this ectobar glass? If at the end all the ghosts are teleported from their room into another room, which means they pass through the ectobar glass, are you doubting the? I'm ectobar starting to think it's not real. After all we've, after all we've been I through, think they're this episode, here. promoting the merits of ectobar glass, and you know it, it's a great company. It's wonderful. Our sponsor this week is by Ectobar Glass. Um, they're you're gonna really ectobar glass. It's the best glass, yeah. bar none. The yeah, you know, it's like it's like in all those horror movies when they see the ghost reflected behind them in the glass. It won't um, happen with ectobar glass. That shit doesn't happen. No, what happened with ectobar glass? Mm-hmm. Ectobar glass. It's all best glass for your yeah. hauntings. Ectobar glass. Okay, your good. Ass please, safe. please don't don't demonetize us. Ectobar glass. We love you. Oh, and so we we also learn here too that um, Arthur like this is where they're just right up front. And they're like, yo, basically uh, Arthur, if you want to like end this thing, like you are kind of that. You would be that soul that needs to jump in there and die. You are the thirteenth ghost mm-hmm. because you are the one who can jump in there to save their kid, um, and you know, end this process for us. Um, which is a very really yep. interesting conclusion because at this point we don't know that first off that the kids are held, held by anybody related to this thing. We don't know like what's going on. Like him jumping into that could just be like so many other reasons. Like it seems like a very interesting jump to make that he is the predestined thirteen ghost, and that him jumping into that would yeah. be a self sacrifice of love and not like a billion other things it could have been. Um, wouldn't it be awkward if he jumped right in and it didn't work at like, all? Oh, she doesn't love his kids. Oh, awkward. <laughs> well, even Maggie, she's like, he's like, you want me to jump into the thing? Maggie's like, oh, no, don't do it. She's like, so uh-huh. not enthused. She's like, yeah, man, like, it'd be kind of weird if you did it. Don't, don't do it, man. Like, don't, don't do it. Don't jump in there. And then they're basically talking to Maggie and they're just like, Maggie, listen, I don't care what you have to say. You are the worst. Goodbye. Bam. Put, put her into it and uh-huh. then see what happens. You have no opinion here. You have absolutely nothing to do. 
Um, so also, uh, Kalina, um, talks about, you know, all the 13 ghosts and where they all came from, um, a little bit of backstory on all of them, but basically we have our game plan for Wait, the finale. Yeah, else part. we don't learn, we don't learn why the fuck each yes. ghost needs to be released one at a time. Why, if, yes, if, I was if the goal is too. to put this fucking batteries into the, you know, the device, why not let them all in at once? Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing too, because we haven't really been talking about this, but the ghosts, they aren't all released all at once. It's, you know, one ghost is released, then ten minutes later, another ghost is released, ten minutes later, another ghost is released, and it's symbolized by the CGI circle on the floor at the very beginning of the movie in the main foyer, I guess you would call it, this house. Whenever a new ghost is released, it spins more and more and more. One of the layers of the circle opens up and starts moving and starts spinning. So, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... It's... Once again, it's a machine... We can't hope to understand it. All right. So basically, yeah. So they, 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 you know, they get all the backstory, and they're like, "All right." And Kalina's like, "Yeah, you have to go jump into that shit." And then Matthew Lillard's just kind of like, "Hey, buddy, like, yeah, I guess that's a possibility, but like, let's let's just go one more time. So you just find your kid by ourselves. Maybe we can just find him. Like, maybe we can just solve this by ourselves. Maybe we don't have to do this fucking jumping yep. into the eye of Agamotto." Um, <laughs> and so they they take the glass one of the one of the glass sliding doors off of its mount. Which is a smart it really idea. Is. Pretty genius. Like, it's stupid later mm-hmm. they do with it. But, you know, they have this yep. great uh, ectobar glass, you know, which has many uses mm-hmm. and apparently is also a great shield. Um, and so they take it and they start walking down the hallway, kind of holding it in front of them like a shield to block off anything that could come and theoretically hurt them. Um, mm-hmm. And Kalina and Maggie are like, we're to go down, we're to go downstairs and try to give you more time, which we never, they never quite explained what that meant. They, like, they weren't, like, no. we found out later what they're doing, but, like, they didn't explain it to those two at all. I, I would have a lot of questions mm-hmm. if they told me that. Um and uh, so, so they go out with their glass. Maggie and Kalina go downstairs. They see the dead lawyer, and Maggie gets one of her great one-liners. And she's like, is that half a lawyer? Oh, my God. He's definitely looked better. Which, again, God, you're so fucking annoying. Like, dear God. Yes. I wish Kalina just, like, punched her right there. Uh-huh. Like, God, shut the fuck up. Yeah. At the very least, you couldn't give it us a, you know, oh, looks like the lawyer had to split. Uh... Yeah. We already have the glasses. We she could just put the glasses on. I there we go. Oh, look, 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 looks uh-huh. like that glass is half full. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he seems like he really half-assed that. Oh, job. damn! <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. I need to go bar glass, but I just can't can't think of it. Uh, oh, God. looks like that man didn't so, pass. Yeah. That lawyer didn't pass the ecto bar. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to top that one. Uh, Ectobar Glass, you could take that one as a freebie. Ectobar Glass keeps out ghosts so, and lawyers. Yep. So, uh, Arthur and Dennis um, are attacked by boy bats, ghosts, oh, yeah. and they decide to basically take the door and slam it in between the door and the wall and the ghost. And does that kill well, the ghost like, again? Happen, or... But, like, we see the ghost again later, so he's not dead. Maybe he just, like, disappears? Maybe he has to yeah, reform. Yeah, maybe he just like I don't know. Maybe it's like when you squeeze something really hard and it just like rockets out, and you know he just like flew down the hallway or something. Maybe he exploded it and had like can anyway. kind of capitulate itself back to into the human form. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get that, and then we also go to Kalina, who is in that main room where the briefcase was before in the basements, and a figure comes out from the door. I was going to say shadows, but there's no shadows in this movie because it's a glass house. Um, and we see the shoes, 
And she takes her glasses off, but the shoes are still there. And then she puts them back on, looks up, and it's Cyrus. Not really dead. He is alive. He faked his death in order to lure Arthur to the house. And Kalina ends up being not only his partner, but they also have this really weird kiss that doesn't really go anywhere. Like, I don't yeah. know why they needed to include a romantic angle in it at all, because it's that's the only scene that anything happens between the two. But, all right, whatever. Yeah, like, well, because like, well, Maggie, Maggie sees him first, right? And Maggie's flipping out. Maggie's like, oh, shit, it's a ghost. And then Kalina gets up like she's oh, going to yeah. help out and just whacks him in the back of the head with the Arcanum, which, thank God. Yeah. And... You know, the less we talk about Maggie, right. the better. She, she doesn't exist anymore in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Um, so that's that. Uh, and basically, we find out, once again, Cyrus is alive. Kalina's really a bad guy. And Cyrus is figuring shit yeah, out. Yeah, Cy- Cyrus and Maggie start so, talking. And Cyrus is basically like, all right, like we need this guy to sacrifice himself for our 13th ghost to make this thing work. It's not actually a fail type. It's actually what we need for this to actually yep. work. And they're and like, Kalina's going, oh, how can yeah. we do this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, just, you know, put the kids up there. You know, go out to sacrifice the kids, and that will that will get him to come and do it. Uh, and, she, and we kind of see that Kalina has, like, a heart. And she's like, I don't know about killing kids, even though I'm apparently fine killing mm-hmm. all these other people. Uh, yep. And he's like, well, fuck you, do it anyway. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, fine, the things I do for love. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So we head on over, we cut back to Arthur and Dennis, who are wandering through the halls when the hammer decides to invoke his hammer time on the two of them, and Arthur gets up against a corner and basically just kind of corners himself in the glass, and Dennis goes, there's not enough room for both of us, and he decides to valiantly sacrifice himself to protect Arthur Was from that necessary? Hammer, even though he clearly... No, no, it was not. But uh, De- Arthur do- or Dennis does say something like, "I want to do something that I'm proud of." And once again, he's kind of been carrying this self hatred motif, wounded, tortured soul for his past sins for this entire movie. So sacrificing is kind of a form of redemption yeah. for him. Um, and he is severely beaten, killed. The ghost basically just pulls him up and slams him against the corner and cracks his back and just well, slumps him. Well, this the is interesting because so it, it basically it starts out with the hammer coming after him, and he like dodges mm-hmm. the hammer. He can he actually dodge him, and get out of the way of him. So he's actually doing yep. pretty well. But then the last door opens and the not Berserker Juggernaut. What's his name? Juggernaut. Yeah, Juggernaut appears, and that's what kind of don't make me do the X Men. That's what pauses uh, Matthew Lillard, and then he gets hit by the hammer. Yeah. So, like, up until that point, he's yeah, holding his own pretty well. He probably could have run away. Um, and then it is yeah. the Juggernaut who ends up smashing him and destroying him, as he kind of envisioned in the uh, earlier scene. Which, Yeah, so at that point, I think it was kind of a, well, I can't escape fate. This is this is my yeah. destiny. So, so what, do you think of, what do you think about that death? What do you think about it? I mean, he is a character that needed to die in terms of horror movie cliches and how it works. Yeah, that's that. But he probably could have gotten away. Like, it was definitely an unnecessary sacrifice. Well, I, I just felt like, um, too, like, it wasn't, like... It was kind of an overly brutal death for a character who I thought was more or less redeemed as a person already. Like, that that mm-hmm. felt like more like a, a smarmy villain death. Like, getting... Because we, we, you see him get hit by the hammer multiple times. He gets smashed against the wall. He gets his back broken over the corner of a hallway. Like, yep. it's a very, like... It's a very brutal death for a character who I don't think deserved that brutal death. Like, I feel like... In movies, there's generally some kind of karmatic death that occurs, and it's either mm-hmm. it, it, if it was quick, if it was like the guy hit him and boom, down, done, okay. But it's a very focused on like revenge from the perspective of the juggernaut, almost. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's kind of the idea that you know Juggernaut is only he captured at the beginning, and thus he's the one who gets kills, kills in the end. But it seemed like very undeserved. It seemed like a very just brutal death for the sake of being brutal, and not necessarily like it. I don't know. Came as a result of his actions. Yeah. There's a little bit of slow motion, not a lot of slow motion, though. It's all very quick when it happens. And then also there's, like, no sad music or anything that plays during it. And it's just very... It's, yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, I get what you're saying there. It's brutal for the character that I feel like we're mm-hmm. supposed to like. Yeah, kind of like uh, that one chick's death in Jurassic World where she gets eaten by the uh, giant sea monster. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that. You're uh-huh. like, what the fuck? Like, why Why did this go on so long? Uh-huh. Yep. So Arthur, um, at this point, he kind of is cowering on the ground going, oh, God, Dennis is dead, when he looks up and his dead wife is standing right there. And dead wife says, hello, Arthur. And Arthur goes, oh, I missed you so much. You know, I can't go on without you. You know, you're a big part of me. You know, why are you here? And then she goes, you have to save our children. You have to go. You have to save our children. And then she disappears, and that's kind of the motivation that he has to go into the climax of the movie. Um, so he decides to head on over to the main foyer. Um, and the main foyer right now is... Ooh, before we do that, Cyrus and Kalina are walking back to the main foyer. And Cyrus says something like, greatness requires sacrifice. When he's talking, oh, you should kill the kids. And she goes, no, I can't kill the kids. Oh, greatness requires sacrifice. So as he's walking on through... He closes the door in front of her and traps her in this room where the walls slowly start to close in on her. And he repeats that word over again, greatness requires sacrifice. And she's screaming, why are you doing this? What's going on? And kind of a terrifying death. Like, in terms of top ten ways I would not like to die, that definitely takes the cake, being squeezed between two walls, slowly moving in towards each other. Yeah, part of my question is, first, why does that wall have that function? Like, who built, like, because there's an obvious latch that he pulls to trigger that function. Why does that function? Yeah. It's a machine. Well, actually, okay. I'm going to be serious here for a moment. I could see that as a defense mechanism in case of escape. In case a ghost is following, they could trap that ghost inside there and squish it together. I don't know where that ghost is going to go, but in terms of a trap, I could see I, that. I, I guess, but you have all this glass, this ghost proof uh-huh. glass, and I think going to get to the glass and get to the door closed. Mm-hmm. Like also, yep. so the thing he gets her to the reason he, she's behind him is he's like, "Hey, go get the Arcanum, that book that's mm-hmm. so fucking hard to get and has all the shit in it," and he crushes her in the place with it. Yep. Well, maybe he could open it back up again. The book's not crushed. She's crushed. Book's uh, not okay, crushed. I guess so. Uh huh. Yeah. So anyway, um, Arthur heads back to the main foyer where all those circles on the ground have slowly started opening up, and it's basically like a three D globe that's just spinning, uh, spinning around like over and over again. All the circ- Yeah, gyroscope. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. And the kids are right in the middle of this. And he cannot go on through because, A, Cyrus has turned on a machine that led the 12 ghosts to the gyroscope um, where they're kind of just chanting and praying around it. And two, these circles of the gyroscope are razor sharp and... There's no way he can get in without brutally murdering himself and do a million different pieces. When he looks on over to the side and he sees Uncle Cyrus over there, and he realizes, oh shit, Cyrus is alive. Well, and, well first of all, he's, he sees him, he's actually counting the ghosts. He's like, he, like, he sees them all, he's counting them. One, two, three, four, and he counts all 12, and he's like, all right, there's 12 ghosts right here. And he looks over and sees Cyrus, and he's like, wait, 
there's 12 ghosts here, and there's one guy over there, one of these things isn't a ghost. So that's who takes off the glasses and sees Cyrus and is like, son of a bitch. Yep. yep. So it's just like, all right, well, Uncle's alive. Um, and basically they have a little fight, uh, Cyrus and Arthur, where they beat each other up. And Cyrus gains the upper hand, which, you know, is a thing. And Cyrus is going on his evil villain speech. Oh, you know, greatness deserves sacrifice. You have no idea what I'm doing. I've dedicated my entire life to this every single waking moment. Blah, 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 blah. When the audio that's putting these ghosts into a trance to complete the ceremony um, starts to kind of waver in and out. And, God damn it, it is Maggie who is basically messing with the audio system like it's some sort because of scratching. She's, she's the most and respected in premier MCs, regardless of gender. Yeah, she is. She has decided at this time... You know, it wasn't really a... Um, this wasn't originally in the script. Originally, Arthur was supposed to live, but what they did is they just recorded... Um, the actress, uh, Da Riga, just kind of, you know, messing around with her mixtape, and they just secretly recorded her, and then they just liked it so much, they decided to include yeah. her in the film. I heard that's happened. That's how it goes. That is a 100% true fact that I definitely did not make up off the top of no, my head right now. Not at all. Uh-huh. True as the shit. <laughs> so the ghosts slap out of their trance, and they realize where they are, they look on over, they realize where Cyrus is, Arthur takes this moment to get the upper hand and kind of knock him to the floor, and as Cyrus opens his eyes, all the ghosts are hovering above him. They pick him up, drag him kicking and screaming over to the gyroscope, and toss him in where he's promptly shredded like the lettuce I made for my salad at lunch today. I know. It was was Mexican Day at my D&D group. We all made all sorts of stuff. And I put lettuce. You you made a key lime salad. Key lime pie, I made a key lime pie, too, and then we also had burritos. No, it's not Mexican, Racist. but you know what? I was going to make that goddamn pie Racist. before we decided on the Mexican thing. So we had burritos, and we had pie, and we also had salad. Damn. I know. So that's how it goes, and that's how it is. Cyrus is dead. Uh, the ghosts kind of just fuck off at this point, and they go their own separate yep. way. Arthur realizes that there's a point uh, every couple of seconds where the circles just kind of fly into the ground again before they start up. There's like a window of opportunity for him to jump right into the center of the circle. So he takes that window of opportunity, goes on in, cowers under his kids and says, okay, just keep your head down. It'll be fine. It'll be over. Did he really need to do that? Well, so what I don't quite get is that, so before that, um, you know, shit's going to hell. uh, Things are starting to explode and stuff. And Matthew Lillard appears as a ghost. And he looks at um, Arthur yes. and he's like, Yo, Arthur, man, you can finish this. You have the power. Go to your kids. They need you. And first off, what power is he fucking talking about? No. He's got the power to leap through shredding yeah. metal. And so that, like, uh-huh. and he takes a huge gamble in the sense that I'm going to hop into this and then my kids and I will be safe from the exploding house and then we'll be able to get the fuck out of this. A yeah. lot of assumptions are made. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah, too, when Maggie was messing around with the audio equipment somehow, she would pull a couple letter levers that just started a chain reaction to make yep. the house Well, I, I can't also tell if, Whatever. Like, um, if throwing the body into the machine, like, fucked things up as well. Like, if his corpse fucked it up. Yeah, I got that impression, too. Um, so mm-hmm. Yeah, so he jumps into the machine, uh, so, he, so they're all in the center of the gyroscope with all the things flying around them. Uh-huh. And somehow, yep. as the house explodes and dies, 
the gyroscope spinning around saves them from all the rubble and explosions. Which, like, mm-hmm. given that the gyroscope Just... was stopping every now and then already, would probably help. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they wake up in the ruins of the exploded house. The gyroscope slowly stops, um, and they look around. All the glass is shattered, every single part of it. Matthew Lilliard is just kind of looking at them with a smile, going, Yeah, Dad, you saved it. You did it. You jumped. And as they're hugging, sitting, reflecting on this crazy day that they just cannot believe they had, Bobby looks on up and says, Mom... And Mom is there, and she's pretty now. She's not scarred on half of her face, but she's a beautiful woman. And Mom says, I miss you, I love you, all that good stuff. And then she vanishes off into the sunset, where we see another shot of all the ghosts just spreading out into the world on their own. But but none of them look good. And they all look like ghosts and shit. So, I don't know, only she gets to look nice, and she gets like the glamour shot at the end. Uh-huh. Yep. Gotcha. And then um, we have the final shot of the film. And I just, I want you to tell because it just, ah, no capstone. I refuse. This this, the the movie no. ends right there. <laughs> Maggie says, I'm done with this shit. I ain't going to pay for it. I'm quitting. This is not what I agreed to. Basically, she just goes all sassy. And then the credits roll with one of her songs. And I just, oh, it's like, I hate it's, it. I hate it. You, like, literally, you tell the people thought she was so great and so funny. I'm sure some of that was, like, ad-lib and shit. Like... Uh-huh. Yeah. Her character just doesn't make any sense in this movie, and she's just annoying every time she appears. Like... Yeah. It does for She's, me like, the exact me. opposite of Matthew uh, Lillard in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, that is 13 Ghosts. Andrew, overall, what do you think I, of 13 aside Ghosts? Aside from Maggie, I really like this movie. Like, I don't love it, but, like, it's just, like, a fun yeah. movie to watch. And actually, one thing I forgot yep. to mention earlier, did you notice that when, so Matthew Lillard, he, uh, he comes in in that orange jumpsuit, and when he takes it off, he's wearing, like, a suit coat and, like, a button-up shirt underneath of it? Uh-huh. Like, he's dressed like, yep. up like a swinger as he kind of comes out of his little, like, thing. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Sorry. I, I forgot yep. to mention that earlier. But, no, I, I like it. I, overall, I think it's a good movie. Um, I think it's it's very, of its time, it's very, like, that decade of horror movies. Um, yep. And I think, like, I don't know, it's one of the ones I think works the best of these kind of weird remakes that they did just because it's like so its own thing you know like i think they're all very much their own thing yeah um i think probably house and haunted hill is the closest to its original um but <laughs> yeah in terms of house on haunted hill 13 ghosts ghost ship and house of wax out of those four i i definitely would say this one is my favorite out of the four of them um i i, I love the set design on this one, it the whole shape shifting house as it's moving back and forth really does give you this massive sense of unease. The few kills there are in this movie are very good kills for the most part. So the the, the woman being squished between the two planes of glass and the lawyer being cut in half those are very very memorable kills. I really like it. Um, Wait, do we do we have an equal number of environmental kills as we do ghost kills? So, I mean, the ghosts use the environment. Uh, the one kill, I guess, yeah. at the end, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Maybe that would be true. should call this movie a glass house. Uh, Ectobar glass house. Yeah. <laughs> the ghosts aren't the problem. It's the Ectobar yeah. that's the problem. No, we cannot talk shit well, about Well, no, it, we're saying that Ectobar is a real Selfish. threat to uh, your enemies. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um... 
yeah, so overall, it's, it's, it's a fun ghost story movie, uh, but again, it's very much a product of its time. If it came out today, it definitely would not get the same reaction. It's just cheesy, early 2000s, late 90s horror movie fun. Um, my only complaint, well, besides Maggie, obviously, is... Punch well, Of several that I haven't talked about. The one I haven't talked about yet is just the ghosts yeah. themselves. They have some really great designs. I really like... I just wish we got to know more about them. And I understand there's the DVD extras and all of that, but less time wandering around, finding Bobby. Maybe take one or two of the attack scenes out and spend some more time getting in to know these ghosts a little bit more. And that would help with the empathetic angle later on in the movie when the ghosts do escape and they go out into the world. And Which, all I can think of was, oh, man, there's a lot more. Yeah, like, yeah some of these guys are like, like mass murderers who are just like walking out by themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's just like, why? Well, I mean, I know why, but it's how it goes. So, all right. Any closing thoughts on 13 Ghosts? Uh, nah, I don't know. I think this movie, I, I don't know. I don't want to say I, I really like the movie, but I, I do think it had a lot of promise. I think it does some things really well. And I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's definitely worth a watch. It's fun. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good popcorn horror movie, but it's not yeah. much more than that. It's like a good like, Halloween-ish movie yep. watch around that time when you're looking for horror movies to watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's nostalgic yeah. for me, too, so. Uh-huh. All right, cool. All right. So thank you so much for listening to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. We would like to once again thank our good Canadian friends, Teddy's Atlas. They did the opening theme song, Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. And I'm out like a Girl Scout. Good. No, we're not going to go with nope, that. No, nope, you're, you're done. All right. <laughs> we're all done. All right. All right bye, Hector Glass. See you all later. <laughs>